Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There is a story for everyone here because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybooks. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the Storybox together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. It's incredible what can happen when you let go of the what-ifs in life and jump for what you really love. My friends, this quote was said by one of my guests today. Uh, I have two incredible powerhouse human beings for you today, two people that I honestly adore and love that are part of my ever-growing and expanding family today. Their names are Stevie and Sazen Hendrick, so I get to call her Saz now. Uh, I, I had to practice quite a few times to actually say her name correctly, but she just said, Jay, call me Saz, and I'm like, yep, thank you for that. <laughs> thank you for, for that permission. But I honestly uh, am so grateful for these two. To, uh, and their kindness, their generosity, and they're some of the, my most favorite people to follow on social media because they're so uplifting, they're funny, they've got a great testimony, and their story is honestly in saying it is incredible. And I think you guys are going to love uh, hearing all about how these two um, got together. It's quite a wild story and, and all, their, uh, all the things that they're doing in the world as well. So if you don't know who Stevie and Saz are, you're in for honestly one of the biggest treats I can ever give to you on the story box because uh, they're doing some pretty incredible things. They've got a podcast called The Good Life, which you can go and check out as well. Saz runs a great blog full of information and insight. Stevie is kind of like Saz's manager. He wears many, many hats. He's kind of like the photographer, editor, partner in crime, and ultimate Instagram husband. So uh, I always get inspired by seeing how these two work, and I was very curious about how they managed to work together plus being husband and wife, and we got real for a moment, and it gets good. So stick around for that question, but... I really hope that you guys get something from this conversation. I have no doubt that you will, but anyway, I can still hope. So you guys know what to do. Share it around. If you do get something from it, let everyone know about this episode. Hopefully it can go as wild as we possibly can 
get it uh, and help support uh, Saz and Stevie and as a way of saying thank you for joining the Storybox community and for sharing their vulnerable moments. Um, and yeah, I really appreciate you guys for doing that as well. All right, my friends, you know what time it is. It's time for us to jump into the story box today and listen, learn and grow from the incredible story, the wisdom and the advice from none other than Stevie and Saz Hendricks. Yay, what an amazing introduction that That was, was, Jay. I think think we're good to go right there. That's all we need to know. Gotta hire you to be our best friend for life. (laughs) I mean, that's an introduction right there. Thank you for having us. Hello, everyone done uh I, we can already call that like contract signed with that like it's, it's all good <laughs> um but it's, it's so good to have you both here i mean I, i've already loved our previous conversation before officially starting this and i know we're going to have so much fun on this conversation today before we dive into all the good stuff which i'm very excited to do very soon i have one question um, that I love asking all my guests at the very start. And I'm curious to hear both of your responses. What does success look like for you? Who wants to start first? Ooh, I'll, I'll go. Um, go ahead. <laughs> um, you know, success to me, it isn't a metric or an accolade or an award or a number of followers. Um, success to me today is truly the things that are right in front of me right now. And for me, that's just our growing family. You know, we just had a second baby not too long ago. It's our friends and our community that we've been growing out here now that we live in Texas, moved from LA. Um, And and it's God, you know, having just this incredible relationship with God, this undying faith, like it's just so incredible for me every day when I wake up to know that like those three things in my life are pretty solid, you know, and, and obviously health, that's a big one right now with everything going on. So like, that's my ultimate, like, uh, that's my ultimate idea of success is a healthy, health, a healthy life, you know, with family, friends, God, and, and good health. Love that. And Sadana and I, we, we talk about this stuff all the time, you know, too, on our podcast. And that's kind of what our podcast is about. The good life is, is kind of talking about what, what does it mean to live a good life and what is a good life? And so it also could be asked, you know, what do you, what do you view as being successful? And so we have talked about this a lot. And in my eyes, I agree with a lot of the things she said. And to, just to add to that, I think in life, we spend so much time trying to fill up a trophy room you know, from the time we're a little boy to just the little league trophies that we get playing sports uh, to when you Mm -hmm. go to high school and graduating, you know, somewhere at the top of your class to moving on to college. And we have these accolades that we want to achieve and there's nothing wrong with that. But as we're getting older, I think we have to realize we have to stop every once in a while, check in with ourselves and say, what are the things that are most important in my life right now? And am I feeding them? Am I cultivating a garden that's going to flourish? And so for us, that is our family. That is our marriage. That is the relationships that are around us. And that is our community. And I feel like a successful life is a life that is taking care of the responsibilities, like Cezanne said, that are right in front of you. Mm-hmm. It's tilling the gardens in your backyard, not wishing for another garden, mm-hmm. not wishing for another spouse or another family or another situation. It's making the best of your life right now, looking up and seeing the blessings around you. And working with that and putting an effort and love into that and doing that, I think that is successful. Mm, 
I love those answers. Now, for someone that would say, um, look, Stevie and Suzanne, I want a good life, but at the moment my life isn't good. I don't see my life as good. How can we navigate through that conversation to say, no, your life is good and here's why? How would you help someone like that? I think there's always, I think there's always a path to good, right? Mm -hmm. So what I was just talking about, is like, look up, it's like, look, look around. I, I think a lot of us have, we all have resources of some kind and some of us have less resources than others, right? So, you know, people could look at us and be like, well, you have all this long list of resources and I don't. So what am I supposed to do? Um, we were actually just, Shazam was just showing me this girl the other day and I, I don't remember her name, but on Instagram, and she's this beautiful girl who's a paraplegic and she wasn't always like that. She crashed her car, right? Uh, on the way home from Vegas one time. And, and that was that, but you see this girl, she's got over a hundred something thousand followers on Instagram. And she has that because she made the best of her situation. She's still able to, she can't use her fingers. She's actually a quadriplegic, which quadriplegic, means right. she can move her arms, but she doesn't have feeling in her hands and she does makeup. And it's she's incredible. using, she's using like the backs of her hands to hold the makeup brush. Right. And so she's using the most, I mean, to the max, she's maximizing the resources she does have, which is like the strength that she has left, right? And so my thought is, if you don't like your life right now, it's like, look up, look around. Also, what resources do you have? Do you have time to where you could be putting more time into cultivating your dream, right? Do you have money? Could you actually use money to actually help you? Delegate. Money, yeah, money is a powerful thing, but you don't have to have money. You could have time. You could also have relationships. Maybe you don't have a lot of time. Maybe you don't have a lot of money, but you've got good relationships, right? And it's like, how can those relationships around you help build you up? Uh, you know, whether it's networking, you know what I mean? And, and working your way up the ladder. It's like, look around at the resources that you have and try to use them to the best of your ability instead of making a mistake, instead of making excuses and saying, well, I just don't have X, Y, and Z. And it's like, that might be true, but what do you have? And two, I just want to add to that, you know, I think as humans, we are constantly like searching for more. It's just this, this idol. It's, it really can be seen as an idol. Like you always want to reach the next stimulus, the next best thing. And it really is about keeping yourself in check. And if you're somebody who, let's say you're in a season of life and you're single right now, and you're just like waiting for the one wondering like, well, where is that person for me? I think it's also important to understand that when you become married, that doesn't mean that that person is going to completely fulfill every single one of your needs and desires. There's still going to be one day when you're married, you're going to be single. And, and I mean that in a way where it's like, usually this is going to get a little traumatic, but like you don't necessarily both leave this earth at the same time. Sometimes one person leaves before the other. So then you're back to being single, right? Yeah. Same thing too, when there's couples who are married, but that doesn't mean that they're living a, a fruitful marriage, like the best marriage ever. There's seasons in marriage and we'll be the first to admit it where I'm feeling lonely. I'm feeling like I'm alone in certain ways. And, and, and it really just comes back to understanding like, the desires and the needs, those needs are truthfully only really going to be met by the creator, right? The one who created us, the father, understanding like the love for us that we have for Christ and knowing that he died for us so that we could have a relationship with him. Like ultimately he's the groom, I'm the bride. And I think no matter what we try to chase in life, 
no matter what, it's like nothing is ever going to satisfy that, that hunger, that, that emptiness, except for that, that, that love and understanding and having that relationship with God. And I always go back to that when I'm starting to reach a place in my life where I'm like, oh gosh, I'm starting to feel anxious or I'm not really happy where, with where I'm at right now. And it's, it's because I'm starting to idolize something and I need to go back and check in. I need to go sit with God and I need to just go, you know, dig deep and, and search my heart a little bit. And I think anyone and everyone has access to being able to do that. You know, it's, and it's so simple, right? But sometimes we make it so much more complicated than it needs to be. Yes. I love both of your explanations of that because I can relate on many, many levels and I'm, I'm still quite young at the moment, but growing up, when someone would ask me or tell me um, like, hey, you're going to be successful one day. And I had a lot of people actually say that to me. Immediately my mind buzzed with, and it was started picturing all the stuff, all the nice things in life, which is not a bad thing, I don't think at all. But when I achieved quite a bit, I still felt like there was something missing and I was always trying to find the good in my life. I was always, I think, and a lot of people are searching for their purpose, so to speak. And, and I think they equate the purpose with what's good in their life too. Um, but I love what you said, Saz, about, you know, coming to God and saying, you know, it's that relationship with God because I, I missed that for a long time. And I was constantly struggling with, okay, my life is going to be good here on earth. And I'm going to make it good. I'm not going to allow God to make it good for me. So I, I, I love how you also said everyone has access to it. Like it is a choice at the end of the day. But once again, I think it's in our, our human nature, our sin nature, that we complicate things even more. We make it harder for ourselves, <laughs> And that's what mm -hmm. I did for a long period of time. So I appreciate you guys sharing that. It's, it's very, very helpful for me and, and those people listening. Well, I think too, Jay, is like people people, um, they just forget to ask God for help. You know, they forget that he's there. They forget that he wants to be involved. They forget that he can do things overnight or in the snap of a finger that you could never do in your whole lifetime. He can open mm -hmm. doors that just come out of thin air. Like he literally can do that. But I, I agree with you on the purpose thing. And, and Rick Warren said it so well in the beginning of his book, Purpose Driven Life. And if you are somebody who's struggling to find your purpose, please read this book. book. Purpose Driven Life. It is one of the best-selling books of all time. But he takes these complex issues. I love Rick Warren, which is church. And he breaks them down in very simple uh, explanations. And what he said is, he was like, if you have a tool and you want to figure out how to use the tool, you're going to go to the owner's manual, right? Mm. Because the, the person who created this tool will tell you the best way to use this tool. Just like God is our creator, we need to go back to the creator and ask him for the manual and say like, how, God, how have you made me? What are my gifts and talents? And how can I be serving the world? You know, and I mean, walking in my purpose. And I really believe that your purpose should be some kind of a service. It, at some point, it creates some sort of a service. And I don't think we start there. I think we start with a passion, right? But as our passion grows, we realize that as we're just feeding ourselves, we realize, well, this isn't fulfilling. Like if I'm feeding myself and I'm not feeding people around me, like I want to be doing more. Mm -hmm. And so then, you know, your passion kind of grows and it, and it matures, right? And it, and it takes another step. And then you realize, wow, I could really take this gift that I have and start helping the people around me. Yeah. And I think when you start doing that, that's what really starts feeding your souls. When your purpose starts to begin to feed, feed the people around you. I mean, that's really that for us, when we started getting emails from our podcast 
You know, we just thought we need to start a podcast and have good conversations. And I'm sure it's the same for you. When you get an email and says that really helped change my life, you're like, wow, that's amazing. And that really brings you like, that's the, that's the fuel that keeps that fire burning. Yeah. Mm. I love the, the idea of purpose because it's something that, you know, I was telling you before that I wrestle with and I struggle with for a long period of time. And I do agree with you on it's something to do with service because my, I believe that my purpose now, and I'm living it every single day is to help others realize their worth and reach their full potential through the power of stories. So your story, which we'll get into very shortly, but I didn't understand that God created life, this life with a purpose already. Like if you look around, nothing is without its purpose. And I think society has told us that, we need to be doing something in order for us to have meaning and purpose in life. Whereas it's it's complete opposite. Whereas we were created with a purpose already. And that purpose was to serve God. And I think when we go out of alignment of that and we start wrestling with that, we feel miserable and we're constantly in that search mode of where is my purpose? Where is meaning? And we look for it in stuff. And then it's just kind of that like crazy, crazy, like, uh, yeah, wrestling moments and you just, you feel stuck and depressed and miserable all the time. Um, and you know, when I finally understood that my purpose was already given to me, I just didn't see it yet. And I didn't ask God to show it to me for a long period of time. It was like this light bulb had gone off and a new one had been put in and it's like, ah, it makes sense now. It finally makes sense to me. So, you know, I've listened to a lot of people like, you know, talk about, you know, purpose is this, purpose is that, and they're all trying to explain it. And really there's only one purpose is the God given purpose. And I think we should, we should value that more and more. So. That's powerful. Yeah. I think too, that we, we wait sometimes, right? Like Christians, right? Yeah. We wait around and we think, well, God's, I'm waiting for a miracle, right? And and you don't see this as much as in the world um, because people just think, well, I got to make it happen. And I believe, like I said, God can open doors that you never could. But at the same time, I think it's up to us to step up to the challenge, right? To do the work, right? Um, I've always felt like God's told me, I'll meet you on the battlefield, right? There's, there's an act. It's like if David just sat in the tent, he never would have slain Goliath. But when he ran down on the battlefield, guess what? God's spirit met him there and he slayed the giant. And that was his purpose. His purpose was to slay that giant and become the next king of Israel. And so God has always told me like, if you want to find me, I'll meet you on the battlefield. Right. And there has been so many times where I'm like, I don't want to go to the battlefield. I'm not down. I'm tired. I'm not really feeling it right now. I don't even know where the battlefield is, to be honest. Where is it? Right. That's half the time. I was like, I can't even find it. And he's like, dude, just get up and start moving, start doing something, start do something different. You know what I mean? Like get yeah. up earlier, you know, start reading the word early, like try something different. And and Stevie, you, you talked about this on our show before. He talks about, you know, on Indiana Jones, the invisible steps, you know, you've got to take that step, not knowing, oh my gosh, am I even going to land on anything here? And that's really where God loves to meet us as well Is like, he needs us to take that first step in faith. You know, not in fear, not in, you know, worldly worry, but in faith and really true faith is at rest. And so to be able to get yourself to a place where you can be still and then operate and move 
on that, you know, um, it, that really to me is, is kind of what has helped us figure out what our purpose is. And I wish that I knew even today what my purpose is. I feel like it's constantly evolving. evolving you know what I mean? And God is continuing to show me new things as he leads me in that right direction. And for anyone who is listening, you don't have to figure it out. Our 17 year old babysitter, bless her heart. She is the sweetest. She's just like on her 17th birthday, she came over and she's just like, guys, I'm really stressed out. And we're like, why are you stressed out? And she's like, I don't want to make you guys feel old, but I feel like oh, my life is just, I'm, I'm wasting my life. I need to know what my purpose is. I need to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. And she's over here freaking out. And, and I'm looking at her, right? Because I've been a 17 year old. I've already walked that path. And I'm just thinking, girl, it is going to be okay. You've got so much time. And sometimes I wonder if that's kind of like, you know, God's God, God's like, you know, reaction to us sometimes when we're freaking out, trying to, you know, like when, when a kid is trying to figure out how to put this puzzle together and teeny, our three-year-old, sometimes it's these big puzzles and she's freaking out trying to like get it to fit. And, you know, I'm just watching her as her loving parent. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, you're so cute. You do not need to stress about that. And I always come over and I kind of adjust it for her and then she gets it. And I imagine that God does the same thing for us, right? When we're trying to figure out our puzzle pieces in life, where, where the next move is, where we need to land, God is always with us. And we forget that sometimes in the frustration, right? So if you can just get to a place of, of trusting God, trusting the process and being still in your faith, I believe that things will be revealed to you in due time. Yeah. And if people don't believe me and what I was saying, then they can believe you because you've lived a lot more life than what I have. And, you know, I mean, it's just amazing to connect on this kind of level. And I love talking about this subject. It's like one of my all time yeah. favorite things to talk about. So, but I'm, I'm curious for you, for you both. I mean, you, you both are people of faith. You believe in God. When has been the moment for you when you least expected God to show up in a big way that he has and has challenged your perspective on who God is? Mm. So many that's times. A, that's a good question. Yeah, it's, it's happened many, many times. Um, I'm trying to think of. Pro probably I mean, maybe probably us when wanting to be together. I mean, that was the beginning. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. And even more recently, you know, with some of the the spiritual warfare stuff that we've just been dealing with, like we were talking about before the show with, you know, feeling the pressure from the world. Sometimes when you don't speak out on every single thing going on in the world, you feel like you feel that pressure, right? And you feel misunderstood. And God has totally shown up for us in those times as well in really big ways. And but but for us, our whole story began, right? Um, having to trust God with our relationship, you know, we were in, in, we met in college and I knew that I couldn't marry Stevie because he wasn't, he didn't fit the mold. According to my family, my family needed and wanted me to marry a man that was Kurdish like me and believed in the same things that my family believed at the time. I was not a believer and I wasn't saved. And I will just say that that entire journey was just like, Whoa, it was a true test of faith. And God just showed up. He showed up when I just could not show up for myself. I couldn't show up for my loved ones. And I, and there were days where I just couldn't even show up for this relationship because I was so afraid of what was going to happen. It was, was I going to lose my family and be disowned if I married this man or, you know, what was going to happen? And I had all these questions, right? And usually when we are faced with something that's really scary, whatever that hurdle is, you know, we're so 
almost crippled by that fear that, you know, for me, that, that paralysis that I felt with fear, it, it in a way was liberating because it allowed me to just be completely vulnerable and just say like, for the first time in my, my walk, I need you, Lord, like you don't have part of me or just this department of my life anymore. No, you have all of me now. Like, I'm just like, this is, this is going to change my whole life. And so having to really lay it all down, I'm at the edge of this cliff, right? In my life, this crossroads cliff. And I had to jump and God challenged me with that. Right. He's like, just jump. And I jumped and that goes back to that quote that you said, you know, um, instead of dwelling and drowning in those what ifs, I jumped, right? And God was there, of course, to catch me. He will never let us fall. He will never let us fail, right? And at the time, things just weren't turning out, right? Even the way that I had hoped, even when I jumped, I wished that my family would have just been like, great, we love him. We'll be at the wedding. Didn't turn out that way. They didn't come to our wedding, right? But God was just, I look back at that season of my life. It was the hardest season, but one of the most beautiful seasons in my walk with the Lord, because I felt so close to him because I needed him, right? It's when we need God, when we really press in, when we really surrender, but I actually miss that. And I always go back to that, even in, even in those good seasons, when I'm like, man, life is good. In a way, I miss being a little bit more needy because, right, that's when you really press in. And I'm so grateful because God had a plan. My parents came around, you know, it took a couple of years, but God had a plan and, and through it all. And he's still moving and working miracles all around us. But that for me, in that specific season of our life, man, God was just showing up loud and clear through my dreams, audibly, everything was just like the Lord was telling me where to go, where to move, telling me when to rest. And man, it felt really liberating and awesome. I, I think one thing that Suzanne and I have in common is that every time, whether we've done it together or we've done it alone, every time that we've allowed God to come into a situation that seemed hopeless or where we were extremely challenged, he always provided a solution. There was always like a wonderful solution. And I've seen some of these things unfold in a matter of days. And then it's taken years for other mm -hmm. things for him to really truly reveal what he was doing all along. Right. But now just being 30 years old, looking back and saying my whole life, God's doing the same thing. Yeah. He's constantly fulfilling his promises to us. And so maybe if I do the math, and one plus one equals two, then I don't have to fret anymore when these challenges come about because I know who he is and I know his character and his nature and they don't change. He's the same God and his promises are still true tomorrow and he won't ever fail me and he won't leave me. And I also cannot disqualify myself from his love. I can distance myself, mm. but I can never undo what he did for me. And so it, as long as I stay close to him and I stay rooted in him, I re, was reading this, this verse on our, on our show, actually from Psalms one, it's like a tree is planted by the water, right? Your fruit, it will, oh, your fruit will always be yielded in your season. Uh, and you'll always prosper. It's like God, God will always, always deliver on his promises. Mm. And so you don't even need to spend a season questioning God, are you really for me? Like, are you really for me? It's like, you're going to go through some dark seasons, but guess what? There's, there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. God's going to do something right. to heal you. He's going to bless you. He's going to keep you. He's going to protect you. He's going to give you everything he, everything you need. He says it over, over, over again. And guess what? I've seen that happen 
And so now it's like when these challenges arise, I spend less time questioning, God, are you really there? You know, I just have to, I just have to get back in the world and be like, that's right. And that's what you said. And that's who you are. And that's what you're doing, you know? And so I, I don't have to worry. There's actually this mm -hmm. verse that I love because sometimes we question, right? Like I said, do we, are we disqualified? Mm -hmm. And it says, um, a righteous man, though he may stumble, he will not fall for the Lord upholds him with his hand. And I read that right before I met Cezanne. And I was like, wow, Lord, I always feel like I'm falling. And he's like, you're not falling. Like, yeah, you're, you're falling, but I'm upholding you with my hand. You're not going to, you might stumble, but you're not going to fall, right? Mm -hmm. You might trip up for a time, but guess what? I'm going to uphold you with my hand and I'm doing that constantly. And so I believe that that's his, that's also his uh, nearness to us, right? You have to be really close to somebody to catch their fall. You have mm -hmm. to be holding their hand basically to react that quickly. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that's his faithfulness. He's like, I'm walking with you. Mm -hmm. I'm walking with you on this whole thing and I'm not going to let go. And you might stumble again. You might stumble again and again, but you will not fall. Amen. Amen to that. It reminds me of one of my all time favorite poems that I go back to every time I feel like I, I kind of feel like I'm flat on my face or God's not there with me. It's footprints in the sand. And it's kind of like when you ask God, Hey, why was there only one set of footprints in the sand when I was walking through my darkest moment. And God just replies, those were the moments that I was carrying you through those difficult mm. times. And I, I look at that and I, I, and I reflect and I say, yeah, it's completely right. Like it was me that got impatient. It was me that went ahead of God. It was me that got stuck and felt, fell flat on my own face. It wasn't, you know, any of God's fault at all. He was, he, he caught me at the end, but yeah. You know, I, I feel like God has created an amazing gift as well in challenges that we learn to see him more when we want to make that choice to actually see him. But oftentimes when the challenge is, is absolutely crazy, we allow the challenge to, or we serve the challenge. We don't allow this, the challenge to serve us instead. I think there's a difference there. But when we allow the challenge uh, to serve us, then we can fully, like we're not using so much of our energy and exhausting ourselves even more, that's when God really shows up. That's when we can actually see him in those, in those dark times and those moments. So I just, I love how you, you, you spoke about that, but Saz for you in, in that moment, like it was, it was incredibly hard. Like you're going against your parents. I mean, the ones that raised you, how did you know that Stevie was the one? How did you, yeah, how did how did that all unfold? I told her. <laughs> now, we we were you know dating in secrecy for almost three years in, during college. After college, we moved to LA to pursue our careers, and I just felt like we went through so much of the hard stuff in the beginning. You know, a lot of couples in the beginning, it's that honeymoon sweet phase, and then you get into the thick of it, and you realize, man, we got some problems. But for us, it was like off the bat, we were like faced with right there, the adversity, the challenges. And what I noticed about Stevie that I really loved, there wasn't a specific moment where I was like, oh, he's the one, but I, I saw what God was doing. God brought this person into my life for a reason. You know, um, there were so many moments in our friendship where I would stop and I would have a thought thinking it was my thought, but it was not my thought. It was this deeper, more intellectual, wise voice in my head. And I knew that was the Lord speaking. And it would just be moments where I would realize things about him. Like 
I remember when I had just gotten out of, you know, a really, my last, it was my last relationship before Steve. And it was the last one. I had only been with one other person before Stevie. I remember I was in the parking lot at my um, college. And I just remembered like so many women listening who can relate when you go through that hard first breakup. I mean, you thought this person was the one and you knew that the relationship was getting so toxic, but you kept trying to resuscitate something that was so dead for years and years. And it just took everything out of me. I finally said, I had enough. I'm so done with this relationship, right? And I specifically remember in that season, Stevie and I were really good friends and we were hosting the nightly newscast together at our college news station. And I remember I had to wipe my tears in the car and get ready, put some makeup on, go do that newscast. And I remember I was really dealing with a lot of heavy weight, right? All that emotional stuff. But I was like, I got to show up, right? And do this thing. So I get there and I'm, I'm walking to the news desk where Stevie's already sitting. And there's so many people surrounded by him. It was like this, I saw him in this light. It could have been the light from the news, you know, studio, but there was this glow on him. And I was like, he was just so genuine. He was just for the, like, I saw somebody who was just authentically themselves. And there was this joy that just came from him that attracted everyone like a magnet to be around him. And I remember I was sitting in my seat, you know, and he, he smiled saying hello. And I just remember everyone around him was smiling and laughing. And he just, I thought, God, he's making these people so happy. And I literally thought to myself, which I know that was not my voice. Now it was a thought that said to me, wow, whoever that man marries, he's never going to make her cry the way that I just did in that parking lot. And it's crazy because now I am married to this guy. And I will tell you, he has never made me cry the way that I did in that parking lot. I just knew God was doing things like that. He was dropping these little subtle hints of like, this is a real man. This is, this is someone who loves me, right? Who loves the Lord. He loves God, he fears God and he loves people. And I saw those qualities in him and I thought, wow, that is an incredible man. Like I didn't even know I needed that in my life. And I think all of that combined over time, I realized like, dude, I, I, I'm risking it all like for this relationship because I know God is the one who set us up and I can't walk away from that. That looks like, that's like a jackpot blessing when God is the one that sets you up with your lover, right? He brought him into my life because I didn't want him. I said, I can't be with, I can't be with the guy like this. So I was not Sorry, looking, Whitey. I was not looking for a guy like this. So I knew God had a different plan for my life and it was so much better than anything I could have imagined. How about for you, Stevie? When was the moment that you knew that was the one? Try topping that, Steve. <laughs> less glorious. I actually was talking about this recently. I was driving, I think, to my crappy little job that I had at the time uh, in LA. We had since moved to LA and we we're both working on our dreams and we'd moved out separately, you know, but we were still dating. And I, I was just driving to my job at Whole Foods and I was just like, <laughs> I actually didn't even work at Whole Foods. He did. That's why it's crappy. He was like yeah, at a booth. I, it was like a part-time job, like <laughs> standing around store. at Whole Foods, handing stuff out. That was my my job in LA. Uh, got me by though. Thank God for that. But uh, I was driving to my job and I just remember I had like a sobering moment where I was just like, you know, I was like, for me to to think Suzanne is not the one is is probably either my pride 
or my selfishness um, getting in the way. It's not allowing me to acknowledge that I have something really great here that I know deep down is the right thing for me. It's the right one for me because everything else is, everything else is adding up. And there's a lot that we challenges we still had to face. And I think that too was hard. That was a little bit distracting, but I realized like I have somebody who is loyal and I also too had this vision of Cezanne and I just like, I knew, I knew that we were supposed to be together deep down, but there was a lot of insecurity. Like as a young man, I think a lot of guys, you know, we struggle with, I think, and I think a lot of men don't even know that they struggle with um, the, the idea that they're probably, they, they feel like they're going to fail. You know, they're like, how can I be, especially as a young man, you just think, can I really be married to the same person my whole life and not mess it up? You know, like you see so many men mess it up you know, particularly men, we see a lot of men mess it up. And it's like, can I, can I do this? Like, and until I feel 100% ready to do that for my life, I don't know if I can commit to somebody. But really, I mean, what God, God shows us is that it's like show up every day and, and he gives you what you need for the next day. And so don't be scared. If you have the great person right in front of you, um, the person that you know, you're meant to be with, then say yes to them. You know what I mean? Don't, don't wait, like say yes to them, pursue them. And I remember my dad told me, he goes, now this girl's about to do something amazing. If she is willing to tell her family and they disown her for your little ass, sorry. He's <laughs> like, you, he's like, you, no, but it was a real conversation between men. He's like, you need to prove to her that you are ride or die, that you're the one man. Like you have to, you gotta, you gotta support this girl. Cause she's about to do something that's really difficult. And so your, your um, piece of the pie is to be a rock solid foundation you know, and never, and, and never quit on that. And so that was a great piece of advice too. I think as, as men, even as young men, we need to take ownership responsibility, right. And we need to be the foundation for our family. So I don't care if you're 20, 25 or 30, it's like, you need to take responsibility and be the rock solid foundation for your family. That is your role as a man. Mm -hmm. and a lot of young people, they, they cave under the pressure of that commitment. And I think society has conditioned a lot of boys, not men, I mean, because there is a major difference between a man and a boy. Um, yep. And yeah, I mean, for you, Stevie, how did you cope with the actual pressure of Saz is doing something that not many women, women would actually do for the sake of a relationship with you and a future with you? What did you do with that kind of pressure? How did you I handle didn't, it? I didn't feel pressure at all. I actually felt like this is an opportunity. I was like, this is an opportunity for me to ride out for my, for my, for my lady and show her that like I support her <laughs> and she will never have to question that. And that I will always be the rock that she can stand on when she can't rely on her family or her friends besides God, like I'm going to be her number one, mm. you know, and I know that he's there and I know that I'm with him and he's with me and he's with her and, and like, I'm here, you know, and she'll never have to worry about that or ever question that. And I just, I actually found tremendous opportunity and responsibility in that, you know, and I still do, right. I still do to this day. And I think that's, that's most important. It's like, don't go in being afraid, go in knowing that God is with you. And when he's with you, miracles can happen. And guess what? They've been happening for us ever since. I remember when, you know, she told her dad, I mean, we didn't have a lot of money and we had to pay for our own wedding, but we ended up getting this incredible Airbnb in, in Malibu, like near um, El Matador Beach, which is this gorgeous beach in this private estate on the beach 
we ended up, they ended up messing up our wedding day. They, they double booked. The guy told us, sorry, you got to have the wedding the day before. I'm like, dude, that, but it ended up saving us a lot of money. We had no money anyways. Neither of us had any money. And we we had this little savings being a blessing actually. Yeah. We had the most blessed wedding day. I mean, God, and just from there, I mean, God just really showed up. Our business started taking off, you know, and, and, and everything is, has been really moving along. I wouldn't say hundred percent smoothly, but but God has never failed us yet. And so I'm so thankful for that. And when you take big risks like Cezanne did, you know, um, it, it says even the people, it says, the, Jesus says, you know, you'll deny your family for me, you know, if, if you deny your family for me, but he talks about the blessing and the reward that comes from that. And so I truly believe there's so many riches that he has in store for those who take risks for him. Absolutely. I want to get to your business in just a moment, but I would be remiss if I didn't ask you both this particular question. Um, I've, I guess I've always been curious about for you both, but what do you love the most about each other? And then secondly, it's a flip question. What do you, so for Saz, for you, what do you love the most about yourself and your story? And the same question for you, Stevie. Okay. You want me to start with what I love about him? Yes. Start with that. And then we'll reverse into what you love Mm -hmm. the most about yourself. Okay. What I love the most about you, Stevie, is that, you know, before I met Stevie, I just always lived this life where, to be honest with you, if it scared me, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do certain things. I was always living in this kiddie pool, which it's not necessarily a bad thing, but when you're swimming and living life in a kiddie pool, you don't see all of the incredible things beyond that in the depths of the sea. If you just swim out there, right? When I met Stevie, he really was like a taste of like what a fun life is like. And I felt like what I've been missing out 21 years of my life and I have not done this and that and this and that. And he just did that. Like he was, he just has this adventurous spirit. He keeps our marriage and our family and our relationship fun and alive. Cause if it was up to me, I would be so mundane. I'm just such a homebody. I will work until midnight if I could. And and I enjoy it. And just to have somebody who comes and brings something to the, to the picture, that's like, Hey, get up. Let's go. Let's go have fun. I always say Stevie is like the color to my life. He makes it fun and vibrant. And if it wasn't for him, it'd be pretty black and white. If it it wasn't for Whitey. (laughs) Yeah. The white boy has brought some color into my life. (laughs) So Uh, that's that. My my favorite things about Cezanne, my favorite two things about Cezanne is number one, I love her laugh. She always, her laugh makes me laugh. And sometimes she laughs in such a way that like, it's not, there's nothing even funny going on. And I end up laughing. Her laugh really feels- I'm holding back from it right now. I'm not going to do it. I don't want to scare the listeners. Her real laugh is just out of control. And it really fills me up with so much, uh, so much joy. It's my favorite thing. And then number two, um, I love that Cezanne is constantly pushing herself and everybody around her to be their absolute best. And I think- you know, there's just a lot of, uh, there's a lot of ways in which she just doesn't want to settle for less. And so there we do, it, it's, just, it's a struggle, right? It's like pushing yourself and working hard is, is so valuable. And at the same time, 
uh, being content <laughs> with where you are is is so valuable as well. But you know, I sometimes I'm a little too content, and she's she's constantly. <laughs> I'm on the on the other side of that. I can be no, too but extreme. she's like, you know what? This is this is who you really are. Like you're not you're not you're not being who you should be. You know, and I see a lot more in you, and so I'm thankful that I have a spouse that's constantly not afraid to call that out in me. But then sometimes I want to break. You know, I want to sit on the couch. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. And what, the other question was what I love the most about me and my story. Yes. Wow. I don't think I've ever answered that question before, really. Um, it's hard to talk about yourself, isn't it? Sometimes let me think. Um, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I would say, I would say, you know, I'm really proud of myself for um, doing the things. It's almost contradicting what I, what I just said is like, you know, can you brave what you most fear? And I think for me in my journey, I have reached that place a lot of times with just working for yourself and obviously with our family and our relationship and even giving my life to Christ. Um, it's always been things that have just scared me. Right. And I'm just really proud that there's this bravery in me that I don't know where it comes from. Sometimes it has to be this, in this, this gift, I think from God, um, and, and I always just love that. I, I try to brave those things that I fear. Um, especially when it's not easy, just do it anyway, jump. <laughs> I, yeah, I would say for me too, it's similar. It's, I think with God's help, I've been able to lay down the things that have, that were most important to me mm-hmm. when I didn't see, you know, why or, or where things were headed, you know, it was just God calling me to, to give up the things that were most important to me at the, in that season and things that were really, really important. And I'm thankful, um, that, that God was, uh, with me and that I was able to do that and have the strength to do that because it yielded so many blessings as well. And so Suzanne and I both have similar stories as far as just like giving up the things that are, that are near and dear to us and God really returning something so beautiful to us, you know, such a beautiful, beautiful blessing. And so I'm, I'm proud that I was able to do that. Mm-hmm. I love all your answers. They're great. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. And and the reason why I did ask you both that question is for that very reason that you pointed out, we don't love talking about ourselves. It's kind of feel like right. it's not natural. So I want to try to make it natural for people because yeah. it's okay. <laughs> it's awesome. okay sometimes because you, yeah. you can find a learning in that. Um, and it's kind of, it's a good reminder to say, Hey, I do love myself. And here's the reasons why, um, yeah. this is a very good reminder. You yeah, guys steal that question for our show. <laughs> <laughs> By all means go for it. I don't, yeah, it's, I don't own questions. <laughs> so question. Thank you. You're more than welcome. You both work together in, in your business. Are you able to share how that dynamic actually works and how you are, are able to manage those difficult times, like your husband and wife, and you actually are in business together. I mean, that that's, yeah. yeah <laughs> well, well, you've now, uh, we've now reached the point in the uh, show where it's going to get real, because if you want to know what uh, Steve and I mostly argue and fight about, because we're not perfect. Yeah. Hello. Oh, it's wow. definitely work-related. Wouldn't oh, you say sure. that's like where a difference m- yes. of opinions, <laughs> you know what I mean? If you're doing anything creative, there's always going to be like someone who's like, no, we should do it this way. And you're like, no, no, we need to do it this way. And then one of those people is going to say, 
are you stupid? Like, could you, how could you think that that's a good idea? And then the other person goes, well, that's my genuine opinion. And how could you call me stupid for thinking that? Mm. And uh, so we've actually had a lot of, we've had a lot of growing pains in working together. It It's filled with the most wonderful times, but dang, if you can work together, you can be married. Well, it's hard. (laughs) I mean, it's hard. It's hard too, because sometimes just the current season of life that we're in, it just brings on just external pressure just from like when we're new parents, right? There's always that, they call it the fog phase for a reason, because you're not getting any sleep the, the first three months after you have a baby. You're just trying to navigate this new rhythm. And then on top of it, we're, we still got to pay the bills. So we have to check into the business and we have to make sure that we're doing our job. And when we're both tired, that in itself can cause some friction. It can cause some, some war to break out. Um, right. But, and we work from home. So for us, when we were living in LA, before we had kids, I noticed that we got into this really unhealthy pattern of working, just having a really unhealthy work schedule that can get really easy when you work for yourself and you're your own boss. Oh, I can get up when I want, right? There's no kids yet. So I noticed like I would work till late. And then when were we making time for us in our relationship? So in the beginning, it used to be like, it looked different, right? It was about understanding how to balance it. Um, and I don't even believe truthfully that there is a such thing as balancing work from personal life. I think what balance can look like is on the day to day, carving out that time that can fuel and fill an area of your life that is really important for you. And like for me in our marriage, when we say five o'clock, that's it. We're done for the workday. Everything else is going to pour over into the next day. Maybe we got two things done on our to-do list that day. Maybe we didn't. We decide that, you know what? We're going to have our family time now. We're going to have our time as a couple. And that is so valuable. And that has taken several seasons of us having to just learn through, thanks to all the fights, right? And, And realizing, okay, this is a problem. We keep butting heads on this specific thing. And now what that looks like is, you know, finding our new rhythm as we have two kids, not one, but now we have two and making time for us and making time to continue to fuel our dreams because we are working on really fun and exciting projects and making time for our girls, you know, and and that's really important. And obviously just quiet time for ourselves too, (laughs) like having my me time, having my quiet time with God, it's all really important. So we've had to kind of figure out how to navigate through it, um, through the, the little fights that come and go. (laughs) There's been some, there's been some big fights for sure. And I, I agree with Cezanne. I think one of the, one of the biggest things too, is we were actually reading our Enneagram, um, test today, not, not our test, but how actually our scores interact, right? If I'm a two, three and she's a three, two, and if you know the Enneagram test, you know what those are helper and achiever. And then we kind of counter counterbalance each other. It's really interesting, but it talks about some of the things that you struggle (laughs) in your, with, with in your relationship. And I think a lot of us too, like if you work together, you think, well, you know, maybe if we had a different situation, everything would be fine. And for Cezanne and I, there is no, there is no like new situation. Like we don't want to quit doing what we're doing, but also it can be really hard being entrepreneurs, being social media, people have to show up every day and create content. I mean, we're also really blessed to do what we do, you know? And so we realize like the grass isn't greener. You don't just like flip a switch and you're in a new situation and everything's fine. It's like your problems will follow you. So it's like work on what's right in front of you. And so we've had to like 
that's taken some serious growing pains and some really big fights, but it's like, we've just continued to choose each other to press through even in our work life and just be like, okay, we're going to figure this out. We're going to figure out what works for us. You know, we don't have to put this unnecessary pressure on ourselves that kind of came out of nowhere. It's like, why are we doing that? What's causing, uh, what's stealing our peace? You know what I mean? Right. And it's like, let's think about those things and get them the heck out of here. Cause that's not working for us anymore. <laughs> yeah. And you come to some compromise and then you start to have less of those fights. That's and right. I think we have a lot less now, right? I think we do. I don't know. How long is this going to last? <laughs> I'm having, I'm having a great, I'm having a great, we won't jinx it at all, right? We've been time. great lately. You know, it's probably because the baby's sleeping through the night now. I'm like, that thank helps. God yeah, we're sleeping. <laughs> I honestly think it's amazing how you both are able to be married and create this amazing business. And the dynamic that you both have is honestly, I wish I had that like, but at the moment I don't. It's and cause I love the personality test that you mentioned because I'm the high achiever, but I also love helping people at the same time. So it's kind of like a clash sometimes. <laughs> so I, I need someone eventually to sort of come alongside and say, Hey Jay, let me help you out a little bit. You be the high achiever for a moment. And yeah, but uh, one, yeah, I can dream, that. right? <laughs> yeah, hey, uh, look for that. I know you can't find that. So you wait, you know, your Enneagram, is it a three or do you just kind of know you're an achiever? I know I'm a high achiever yeah. and at the same time, I, I know that I want to help people as well. So it's kind of like, I'm trying to balance them both out, but one day the high achiever is much greater than the, the helper. And then it's like the, the opposite for another day. So I'm trying to like keep them both in check. Right. <laughs> Which is we are fun. the same. I bet you're a three and then your wing is a two like me. I, yeah. I go back and forth between the two. And when we're in the best season, it's when he's, you know, we're both not in achiever mode because he's a two, three. So sometimes he switches the, he flips the switch and now he's ready to be the achiever. And then I'm like, wait, I'm in the achiever mode. And then it gets competitive. Right. But it's like, why are you trying to achieve? A, I'm hey, achieving right now. It's, it's your really, own time to it's achieve. It's a really great test. There's books now written on it. And it's just, it's a personality test. You shouldn't go on a first date. And the first question right. you ask that person is, excuse you? me, you're a challenger number eight. Oh, we can't be together. I got to go check, please. You know, you've got to get to know people for who they are and and there's strengths and weaknesses in every single personality type i think it's it's good how you can you can sort of you both balance it out whereas i'm fighting against myself right <laughs> during the days so right. that's that's always fun <laughs> you need somebody to help you with that yeah yeah sure. yeah I, I love um like for me at the moment what what helps me out is like going to my mom or going to a friend of mine uh -huh. that, yeah. So they, they always sort of like relax me. And then I think it's also having a moment to just vent for a little, little bit. Just let me, let me have my moment. <laughs> oh yeah. Yes. Right. When people don't let you like, like let it all out. And then they don't they act like they just, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, no, no, no. no, no you're like, just out. don't say anything. Let me just get it all out. And then we're yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I mean, I, I think I've taken up so much of your time already, but I do have two final questions, if that's okay for oh. you. I love this conversation. So this is, this may be a hard one to answer again, but we'll see how we go. Um, when in your life has been the, you felt like you've been the most vulnerable? Oh, hmm. I'll say for me, um, it, it's not that what you think you would think it would be the whole family thing, but 
I think for me, one of the most vulnerable times when I was really shedding old skin and coming into this new skin was when I was pregnant with my first. It's this whole, if you've, if anyone out there is pregnant or knows or has been pregnant, or maybe you've been around somebody who's been pregnant, it's real, man. It's like, you are really understanding a new kind of way to love. And you have to sort of understand too, how to love yourself in a new way, Mm -hmm. how to give yourself grace in a new way and how to surrender in a new way. And pregnancy really challenges you in that way. And I believe that God really did bless me with our first unexpectedly Valentina. She just, that whole pregnancy journey, really, I felt completely out of control. I, I, I couldn't control anything. It's just pregnancy. It's not in your control. And you really learn in that nine months how to let go and truthfully let God and 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 learn how to under, understand the process while also just trusting the process and the and not knowing everything. So for me that was a really vulnerable season but it ended up being really beautiful for me because I was able to really like you know dig deep within myself um and and kind of let go of some stuff that I was hanging on to um and just come into this new skin. Yeah, I think I think for me anytime I've taken like a a bigger risk and it's always when it's always been like prompted by it's always been prompted by God's leading. Um, like the first time I felt like he told me to move away to college and away from all of my friends. And I just remember just being super lonely in that season and and kind of just drawing near to him. But I just felt so vulnerable. I felt very lonely. I was struggling with being, you know, sad all the time. And then after that, it was um, when I moved to LA, you know, and it was just so vulnerable. I would wake up in the morning and I just remember I had this, it wasn't panic attacks at all, but it was just this this gloom feeling of like, I waited my whole life to move to LA to pursue my dreams. And now I'm here. And now what? Like, Mm. there's nobody calling. There's nothing important happening. Like reality has set in. I'm a nobody in a city of millions. And so that was another really vulnerable time. You know, it was just taking the, taking my dreams out there and seeing what happened. And then after that also too, it was laying down that dream and working with Cezanne. I was in a very vulnerable season of like, God, this isn't like what I had planned for. And now you're telling me I need to work with my wife and and go into a field that like I know nothing about. And also too, this isn't, you know, I, I would say that then I was very much like a three. I'm like, I'm on my time. I'm a guy. Like I have big dreams. I'm doing my thing. And God called me honestly to be a two and to help Cezanne support her dreams. And, and her dreams became my dreams, you know, and, and we kind of figured it out along the way. But I just remember being super vulnerable. And my advice to anybody is just to lean into that and know that like, know that like the Calvary is coming at some point, but it's like the, the, the quicker you lean into whatever God is trying to do in you, the Calvary comes a lot sooner. Yeah. Don't, don't fight against him. Just trust him and trust that he has a plan. And his plan is always good. You know, he's always going to take you somewhere good. It's going to end up somewhere good. So don't worry that God's going to take you down some dark path and leave you somewhere. He will never do that. He will always take you somewhere good. And he knows exactly what you need. I mean, there was times where I just like thought, you know, I wanted to stay with my friends in college, you know, and a part of me wanted to stay very comfortable in my life in Texas, you know, and I wanted to stay pursuing my dreams. But like every time God has called me out of comfort, into a place of, of discomfort. He's always led me somewhere good that fulfilled my, my needs a lot more than the thing I thought I wanted. Mm, amen. I feel like that's been sort of like the theme of this whole entire conversation. So it's good to sort of wrap that all up. Um, 
this is my all-time favorite question I ask everyone at the end. I think you guys might like it, uh, especially you, Stevie, because you, you studied film and all that sort of fun stuff. So and I, it's a hypothetical one, but I want you both to imagine with me that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll just call it magic for the sake of argument. But they've been able to get it and show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? Wow. That. There you go again with another (laughs) question that is just making me teary-eyed here. Um, You know, I would first of all hope and pray that we are both still alive together at 100, watching this together hand in hand. And you know what? I just I just pray that in this film that we watch, that there would be faces, faces of people that we had encountered or met along the way in our lives, people who we have impacted or inspired, or even led to the cross, you know, in, in some way, I would love to see those faces of just the people in our lives who helped us cultivate, you know, a good life. And just to see that to me would feel, I would feel so full at, at a hundred years old, I could care less how many awards and how many achievements we have on paper but I would love to just see people's faces because we're such people, people We love hosting people. We, well, we love facilitating um, people um, in our home and our prayer. Every time somebody comes into our houses that we pray that like they would leave this home with a blessing of some sort that God would bring them a gift, you know, a package at the door on their way out. And so I just pray that, yeah, yeah, I would hope and pray that like us watching it back, that that we would see those faces, those those lives that maybe that have impacted us and vice versa. That's a great answer. I think mine would just be that, um, I think mine would be that I lived a good life in the sense that I learned how to, as I got older, love people more than I love myself. and. I would hope that I would see that my, my life brought, um, I guess, substance to other people's lives, you know, help change their lives, help bless their lives. Um, and then ultimately more people would have a closer relationship with God because of my life. I think that would be, if I'm thinking about it like that, my, my greatest prayer, and especially for my family and my kids and my wife and you know, everyone who's really close to me, but also, you know, a global impact and a community impact. I don't, I think as a young man, I feel like I wanted to live this great life where I was really known. But now as I'm getting older, I want to live a good life and I want to work on just the things around me and I want to work on myself. And I don't want to, I don't want to just be, uh, I used to want to be on an actor, you know, and be glorified on the big screen. And, and I love to act, but I don't, I don't love to act for the accolade anymore. I just love to do it because I like to do it and it's fun for me, but I'd love to see a life that's really full of substance where the people around me, I really believe like a verse that God has given me is, is when we asked Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter says, yes, three times. And then he said, if you love me, feed my sheep. And if I'm being hundred percent honest, I still ask God every night, how do I do that? You know, I, I don't know how to do that. I'm still a young man who's learning. And to be honest with everybody, I think that's just, that's, 
that is life. That is like what life is. It's learning how to, to feed his sheep and love people more than you love yourself. And so that's, that's my prayer for myself. I hope that I would get to a place where I'm just, I've grown in that, you know, so much by the time I'm a hundred years old. I love both of your answers. Uh, thank you both so much for your time today. Where can people connect with you and learn more about you both? You've got an amazing podcast called the good life. Highly encourage people to go and check it out, but where can other people connect with you? You can hey. check us out online. Yes, YouTube. you can. You can check us out online. You know, um, yep, the good life that Stevens is on on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Obviously, Instagram is a fun place to instantly connect with us. That's at Cezanne and at Stevie underscore Hendrix. And then our new website is coming soon. And that's really going to be this next chapter of us helping, helping people figure out like, what does it mean to live a good life? How can we help others inspiring them with everyday joy and fulfillment through various products and services coming. So that's going to be stevieandcezanne.com. We're so excited about that. So we hope you'll come on and, and hang out with us there. Well, I'm excited for you both. Thank you so much for your time today. Your story is honestly amazing. All your great answers and for coming on the Storybox podcast. Appreciate you both. We had a great time. You're Thank you best, so much, Jay. Jay. Thank this you. was fun. We can't wait to come see you in Australia once everything's lifted. I really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guests today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, I greatly appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcast. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the story box. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.